This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Northern Agenda podcast, dodging the summer showers to bring you more of the stories that matter about politics and public affairs in the north of England. I'm Rob Parsons, a journalist based in Leeds who covers the ups and downs of politics from the Wirral to Wearside and from Barrow to Barnsley and I write it all up in a daily newsletter called the Northern Agenda. This week on my podcast, let's start with a question. How often do you go to your nearest town or city centre? If you're like me, the answer is not as much as I used to, and there's a host of reasons for that. I can generally buy what I need online without leaving the house. I mostly work from home these days and no longer commute into the city centre. And even thanks to the cost of living crisis, I'm watching the pennies more than before. Extrapolate that across the millions of people who live and work in the North, and it's easy to see why Britain has lost 6,000 storefronts in five years after the combined pressures of COVID, the cost of living crisis and business rates, according to the latest study by the British Retail Consortium and local data company. Local leaders in our region have described the impact of the pandemic and cost of living crisis as devastating. Just to ram home the impact of what's going on, This month, Wilco, a well-loved family business that's been on the high street for over 90 years, went into administration. But at the same time, it's clear that the state of our high streets, whether it's in a big city centre or a small market town, really matters to voters who consistently put it at the top of the list of things that matter to them. Little wonder that the levelling up bill unveiled by Boris Johnson last year included measures to restore the vibrancy of our high streets, including allowing local leaders to force landlords to rent out commercial properties. But it's clear that if we're no longer going to town to shop, our urban centres need to offer something different to entice people in, whether that's leisure, green space or even somewhere to live. This week, an executive at Samsung said that if bricks and mortar shops are to compete with online rivals, they've got to provide a fun, immersive experience with attractions like live music and even roller discos to ensure that customers keep coming back. I wanted to find out how this agenda is progressing across the north. So I've been finding out what's going on in Wakefield, a city of around 100,000 people in West Yorkshire, and Ormskirk, a smaller market town in Lancashire. And I've been speaking to a leading national expert on town centre management on what these places need to do to succeed. He's picked out one town in the north of England whose reshaping of its centre could be an example for others to follow. Keep listening to find out who he's picked. 
So to get a sense of how our town and city centres are changing, let's head first to Wakefield, which, like many places in the north of England, saw its economy decline in the last quarter of the 20th century as coal mines and traditional manufacturing industries closed. These days, the big landmarks in the centre of the city, other than Wakefield Cathedral with its tallest spire in Yorkshire, are the two big shopping centres, the Ridings and Trinity Walk, but hundreds of thousands of people a year come to visit its renowned Hepworth Gallery, named in honour of local sculptor Barbara Hepworth. But political and business leaders in Wakefield are plotting a very different future for the place, one with fewer shops and more things to do to go with the abundant places to eat and drink. And with Wakefield's Year of Culture happening next year, there's going to be plenty happening in the city. So let's find out more about the changing face of Wakefield with Councillor Michael Graham, who is Labour-run Wakefield Council's Cabinet Member for Regeneration and Economic Growth. Michael, welcome. Hi, Rob. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Perhaps you could just start off by just giving us a little sort of potted history in the last few years, how the centre of Wakefield has changed. How is it different now from what it used to be, sort of pre-pandemic and maybe pre-sort of online shopping? Yeah, so I, I think Wakefield, it, it's a very unique place. Anyone who's ever visited will tell you it's got its own character, you know, it's got its own identity. But I think it's really fair to say that the problems we've faced aren't unique and the problems that towns up and down the country have had to face as well. So we're talking about the decline in High Street. We're talking about climate change and our response to, to tackling that, making sure our towns and cities are fit for the future. And of course, the, you know, the dreaded P word, the pandemic, I think everyone would just like to think that didn't happen, but it did happen. And it did have you know, a, a huge impact on businesses, on people and how we go about our daily lives. So it has been a, it's a real challenge that we face of getting our towns and our cities back to a place where they need to be at, getting that footfall back and sort of reinventing them for, for, for those, to meet those challenges and the challenges of the future. We all know the economy is definitely not where we want to be at the minute. I think everyone has less money than they did five, ten years ago to spend. And, you know, it, it really is now do or die at the minute. It's get people back into the city centre, get them spending money, get them coming together. And we've got to play a big role in making that happen. Yeah, absolutely. Like you say, Wakefield Council is is at the centre of the changes in the in the city centre. So what what are you doing? What's the what's the the plan for Wakefield City Centre as the council sees it? So at the beginning of 2022, we adopted our city centre master plan, and what this did is really look at you know what have we got already? What businesses do we have? What buildings? You know what's the current offer? Where do we are? And really set the baseline, uh, uh, looking at what, where we need to be heading. And it's all about now. I think everyone recognises that retail is never going to come back to the point it was, you know, 5, 10, 15 years ago. It's just not going to happen. People have changed the way they're living. People are buying more online now. And I think I'm really clear. It's it's about, you know, we do need retail in our city centre and in our towns. It's always going to have a place. But we have got a surplus of, of, of shops and Rather than have them sit and empty, we need to repurpose them. We need to think of things to use them for. And I also think, really importantly, we need to get people living in the city centre as well. We need to really increase that and get more houses, you know, lots of different types as well, social housing, private rented, get people living in there, spending money there, 
going out there. And I think that will really help to bolster and, and create a, a thriving city, which everyone wants to, to happen in Wakefield and everywhere else. Just take us through some of the big sort of developments happening in, in Wakefield. I know from what I gather that the city centre in maybe two or three years time is going to be almost unrecognisable from from what it's like now, such as the sort of scale of the, the, the different new things that are coming in. Yeah, so we've got, we've been fortunate enough to get some levelling up money from the government and some towns for money. So we've got two lots coming in there. And the projects, I think, are going to be pretty transformational. I mean, down in Kirkgate, we've, I've already said we're going to be looking at putting housing into the city. And that's one of the, the places we're going to be doing that. So really good, high quality housing, giving people, you know, a step onto the ladder, somewhere nice to live, affordable homes. And that's going to really transform that bottom end of town into what it needs to be it's currently urban green so it's you know it's looking nice and green lots of trees lots of grass uh, but that is going to be a place for people to, to live and, and raise families and yeah that really looking forward to that we also are creating right outside that cathedral that you mentioned you know the, our beautiful cathedral which everyone loves we are going to have an event space so we were really short of event space in, in wakefield outdoors i should say at the moment and we want to really create a destination where, you know, in the summertime, people can come and watch things like the World Cup or Wimbledon, you know, sit out on the cathedral steps, um, enjoy an ice cream, put on movies and films on a big screen, that sort of thing. But then uh, for the nighttime economy, we can put on events, put on small concerts and just really create a little spot where people can come and have a really good time. I think that's that's what it's all about for me. It's getting people still coming into the city, still coming together and, you know, enjoying each other's company. And just finally, on, on the, the them two are part of the Towns Fund, the third sort of arm of the Towns Fund is going to be a brand new hotel. So on our main station, train station Wakefield Westgate, we're going to have a brand new, you know, hotel down there, which again, you know, we've got trains coming to and from London every two hours. We've got lots of people coming into Wakefield. And I think this is a place that people would really love to stay it's close to Leeds as well so you got that great connectivity there a hotel is just what we need we've got some smaller ones but we need that big one to sort of give people options so again they're just three of the things that we're doing at the minute that's really gonna the thing is it's all gonna happen by 2026 so it's (laughs) we've got to get our our, you know but it's all in hand it's all getting done at the minute and I think it's gonna really transform the place and, and make yeah it's going to be unrecognisable. The big thing, obviously, that's happening in Wakefield next year, you've got your year of culture celebrations, which sounds like a really interesting event. I mean, how, how hard is it going to be to pull that off when you're sort of uh, knocking seven bells out of the city centre and digging things up all over the place? Is that going to be a bit of a challenge? Yeah, and you know what? We, I'm not going to lie. I think it is going to be, we're going to have to be very clever, very strategic of what we put where, but we're not just a city. We've got 10 towns right across the district and this year of culture is a celebration for the entire district, and we're going to be spreading it ev- everywhere. But indefinitely, you want the biggest events um, to be in Wakefield, just for that easy for people to get to, eat, holds the most people. And yeah, I think there'll be a little few challenges when it comes to knocking down buildings and building new ones. And you know, I've mentioned three there. We've also got um, others going on as well. We've got more house building going up at the by the Crown Court. And we've got our Wakefield Exchange Project, which is going to be a massive indoor event space, courtesy of DCMS funding. So 
there are so many different projects going on. It is going to be a, a building site. But wow, yeah, year of culture. I am so excited to, to see this happen for, for our district. You know, 4.4 million going into this and it's got funding from West Combined Authority. We've put money in ourselves and we're already starting to let people know what exactly is planned for that year. And it really is going to be exciting. You're going to have those big showcase special events and then you're going to have all our smaller communities coming together, sharing stories about the past and looking to the future for, for new memories as well. So just, I, I think it's so important for places like Wakefield and we've seen other places across West Yorkshire, you know, Leeds, Bradford, putting on these these sort of years of culture and years of celebration. And it's time for Wakefield to, to do ours. And, uh, you know, now, now's the best time when, ev when everyone needs that little bit of a lift, when everyone needs cheering up. I, I think now more than ever, businesses have been asking for more events and for more functions for so long. We're giving them exactly what they've asked for. I've got to say, I'm, I'm super excited about one that's coming called The Hatchling. Um, that's going to be something pretty special. So think about, as you can tell from the accent, I'm from Liverpool. And a few years ago, we had the, the big puppets in Liverpool, which just brought the city life. It was such a, an outstanding time. Everyone following these puppets around and listening to that story. This is right up that street. It's, it's a dragon. Starts off as an egg. It hatches. And then it eventually ends up flying around. So, you know, the sky is going to be lit up one day. And I think that's going to draw an awesome number of people to Wakefield to see that. So super excited. Yeah, I'll have to bring my kids uh, kids down to Wakefield for that. That sounds sounds like a lot of fun. Now, Michael, I guess the one of the obvious questions in terms of increasing the vibrancy of the city centre is that people have to be able to get there. So what what's the council's sort of approach to making it as easy as possible for people to get into the city centre. Like obviously there's things like free parking, which some councils offer, some don't, you know, the best one in the world buses are not as uh there's not as many bus services across the north as there used to be. Is it as easy as it could be for people to get into the city centre in the first place to enjoy all the things that you're, you know, you, you you've been talking about? Yeah, I mean, like you say, that is such an important thing, actually being able to get into these events. And I don't think anywhere's got it perfect at the minute. Certainly public transport is always, our, our trains at the minute, I just think are in a bit of a terrible place. And, and I don't think anybody could sit back and say, yeah, that's working how we want it to be. I think there's work to be done when it comes to trains. Certainly with buses as well, the amount of services, people in different places have had cut back um has just been terrible i mean during the pandemic we we realized that people really needed you know a bit more encouragement to come in and we put a, a free parking offer on i think for the best part of two years in the city center and right across the district as well and that's what was needed at that time businesses needed that to, to bring people in to support them and it worked but i think if you look at how we want our cities and, and towns to be in the future you know, do we want people driving in, you know, tons of cars, tons of pollution everywhere? It's probably not the best, you know, it's not where we want to be heading, is it? We want to be building more cycle lanes. We want to change the culture, change how people travel. And, you know, that's going to take a lot of work, Is but we need to give people the options. And until we get public transport in a place where it needs to be, uh, you know, I, I think we're, we're really missing a trick. So, you know, are we in a place that we need to be? No, there's definitely work to be done. But I think we've got the plan through the master plan and, and 
you know, we know where we're at. We know where we need to go. It's just going to take some time. But for things like the city of culture uh, and enjoying, enjoying ourselves, getting people into the city, I think we put some temporary stuff in place for now. But then we do need to get that, you know, proper infrastructure for the future. But yeah, I don't, I don't know all the answers. So on that. Maybe free free parking until the public transport is in is in a sufficiently good place that people are more likely to come in that way. Yeah, I think I think definitely free parking helped. And you know, in Wakefield, we we have free parking after six, and we have free parking on event days. So if there's any other big events, you know, people can come in and park for free in council-owned car parks there as well. So there is that there. We are looking at things like parking rides, just exploring all options as to as to what what, what we can do. But um, yeah, it, it, it's not it's not an easy one to crack. I don't think, especially when private operators and organisers, you know, could be doing a bit more. I think now one of the big elements of any city centre economy, I guess, is what happens in in the evening, what happens in the night time. And I saw there was a, a council report recently which said that footfall in the evenings has dropped. A bit during the cost of living crisis and also the changing habits of young people who uh they're not drinking uh not drinking as much alcohol the, the teenagers as, as they did back in my day and so i'm guessing that's having a bit of a knock-on effect on on the bars and pubs will that necessitate a change in approach for from wakefield in terms of what it what it offers in 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 the night time yeah, I, th- I think I think you have to sort of keep your you know keep your finger on the pulse and see what's happening, keep an ear to the ground, and if attitudes are changing, we all know, like I've said, people definitely got less disposable income at the minute due to several other factors, um, so they probably are less likely to go out at the minute, and I think it will be not just Wakefield but everywhere noticing a decline. I mean, I was in Leeds the other week in, in a bar a regular go t- regularly go to, and. A single vodka and tonic, £8.90. <laughs> it absolutely blew me away. And I was thinking, wow, yeah, that's, I, I can see why people are probably choosing to stay in at the minute. It, it, it's really expensive. But I think Wakefield's got a, a proud history. You know, we're called the Merry City, and there's a reason for that. You know, we've got tons of pubs, tons of amazing bars and clubs. And you come into Wakefield on a Friday and Saturday, and the, the, the streets are absolutely booming. You know, there's a great atmosphere. Everyone's out enjoying themselves. So even with that small decline in footfall, I think people are still coming in. They're still having a great time. Um, but let's hope the economy gets to a place where it needs to be. Let's hope you know we stop seeing these freezes in wages and rising in food costs, etc., so that people can actually have a you know a decent and enjoyable life. Because Wakefield's here, we're ready to welcome them as we always have been, and yeah, give people a, a great time. Absolutely, Michael Graham, Wakefield Council. Thank you so much. Thanks, Rob. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible 
because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. So we've heard some of the specifics about what's happening in the north of England, but let's get a wider view with the help of OJ McDonald, CEO of the Association of Town and City Management, a not-for-profit organisation supporting those who manage high streets, town centres and city centres across the UK and Ireland. OJ, welcome. Hi, Rob. Thanks a lot for the invite. We've heard a little bit about some of the specifics. What's the current state of health sort of generally of our town and city centres? And does it does it sort of vary, vary across the country? Oh, it, it varies massively across the country, not just across the country, but even if we just look at, say, um, towns and cities in the north of England, from town to town, you'll find some very different dynamics at play, which mean, you know, health health varies. But there are some broad themes we can look at in terms of those those challenges, which do seem to impact everywhere. And it might be a case that different towns are able to adapt to those challenges and trends in different ways. I mean, what, what's been the biggest factor that sort of determines whether a town or city centre is, is, is doing well or not? Well, I, I, I think the biggest thing is the biggest trend. And I, I, I just want to sort of step back and go big picture here. And I'm known for being a bit big picture sometimes. But for, for me, what we're looking at at the moment is a um, what I would call an industrial revolution in a way. And this industrial revolution, the third industrial revolution, is very much about technology, digital technology. And a lot of our towns and cities, especially in the north of England, have been built on past industrial revolutions. I mean, you take a place like Manchester. It is a city famed for being the original location destination for the birth of the industrial revolution. Um, processes like manufacturing um, and the exploitation of coal, oil, gas, etc., which has really shaped some of our, our cities in the north. This industrial revolution, looking at digital technology, has changed the game. And you think about all the different impacts that come from that, things like online shopping, the smartphone, even things like the debit card, which mean you no longer need to be in a specific place, a specific location. If you want to do your shopping, you can be at home, do your shopping over a a laptop or a smartphone because of the, the debit or credit card. All these things play a role in the health of our towns and city centres. It, it goes wider than just the retail. We're now looking at the impact of um, the hospitality sector from, say, these new delivery firms, app firms, the, the likes of uh, Deliveroo, uh, for example, or Just Eat. You think about the impact of Netflix or Disney Plus on um, um, cinemas and leisure and entertainment market. All of these things are playing a role. And so it's it's a case that a lot of our towns and cities need to be able to adapt to this technology and overlay on that a global pandemic which has forced people apart. Um, And that brings some real challenges for a lot of our areas. Yeah, and it's the case, isn't it, that town and city centres have been changing for years, if not decades, but the, the pandemic and the cost of living crisis and all the things you've just described have sort of put into hyperspeed those changes that were happening already and really put them on fast forward yeah i do think um things are happening so quickly i I think it's the level of change in terms of um technology and innovation you look at something like covid19 and the impact that's had i think there's probably a point in time where we have this global pandemic 
And once this global pandemic's over, everything goes back to normal. But the truth is, we have options around technology which have genuinely changed the way people live and interact with place. Take, for example, um, applications like Zoom and Microsoft Teams. They have massively changed the way the office economy works. Um, And so people's necessity to go into a town or city to work on a day-to-day basis, Monday to Friday, those things have shifted because we can now work, a lot of people can work from almost anywhere where they've got good Wi-Fi, um, a laptop and a phone. And that has a big impact on the way we use a lot of our towns and cities. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just my own personal example, before the pandemic, I would cycle in into Leeds City Centre uh, every day uh, to go to work. And then at lunchtime, I'd go for a a coffee and a sandwich and maybe a beer after work or whatever. But now I work almost exclusively from home, so I don't do uh, any of those things very, uh, very, very, very much anymore. So given all this and the fact that there are fewer people shopping in, in our towns and cities and fewer people sort of working in offices in our towns and city centres, what what should our uh, the people that you advise, what, what should they be doing? Like what, what does success look like for uh, in this quite challenging climate? Well, it's... I mean, it's a challenging one, but for us, success looks like having a really strong mixed economy, having relevant uses and businesses and things that excite people that will bring people back into towns and city centres again. Um, And all of that's a lot easier said than done, though. For us, the main challenge is how do we put in the right mechanisms so we can get there? And some of the big challenges we have is once once you get out of London, London central. London is a very special place in terms of having a small number of property owners who own most of the land that you can work with. But for most of the towns, and especially across the north of England, um, in a lot of areas, you will have fragmented property ownership. You will have different layers of governance when it comes to your local authorities. You'll have disparate communities as well. And it's about how you can create the right public-private partnerships that brings people together and encourages the types of change we would like to see. And it's actually that element of partnership that is probably the first and most important step before we're able to realise the types of towns and cities we would like to see. And can you give us, uh, you know, to show us how it, how it could be done, are there any examples of things that are happening already of, that are sort of you could cite as a, as, a, as a success, kind of an exemplar for how other towns and cities could, could, could do it? Yeah, sure. I mean, thinking of success, there's um, one area which has really looked at how to be dynamic in terms of play shaping and really bring people together on a journey is um, Stockton. So all eyes are on Stockton at the moment because they do have quite an ambitious um, project, which I believe started at the beginning of the year. And it will have its challenges because of the cost of construction and uh, inflation. Um, but hopefully this will be a success. So what they're doing is Stockton um, Council have been able to leverage funds from the government through the um, initiatives like the Future High Streets Fund. Um, and they've worked with some of the property owners. They've purchased various sites. Um, they've taken two shopping centres, which are now surplus to requirements because they've got too much retail space. They're knocking one of those shopping centres down They are going to open that area next to the river. They're going to clean up the river. They're going to create lots of green space. They're going to create an urban um, park for the community. 
um, open space for events, for markets. They're putting in place leisure and health facilities in the town as well. It looks like a fantastic scheme. Um, and also when we think about some of the challenges we have as well uh, in terms of understanding environmental impacts, in terms of understanding um, climate change, that move to green and blue infrastructure is something that can hold real benefits, not just for things like inward investment, but also for community use and exciting the community as well. So, you know, that is something we're really interested in in looking at and exploring further. A big success story in Teesside. So just finally, can you just tell us a bit about uh, your association? What, what What's your role in, in helping towns and cities to, to thrive? So what you'll, what you'll find is a lot of people who call themselves town centre managers or business improvement district managers, the people that manage the towns or city centres, they tend to be the only people that do their job from town to town. So it can be a very lonely and important, but a very lonely profession. So what we do is we provide a network that brings people together so they can share best practice, that can talk about um, the common challenges they have and what type of solutions they can share. And we'll give them a voice with uh, national government as well. So we'll take their um, their opinions, their feelings, their insight, um, and have that discussion with government. And then also take what's coming out from um, places such as Westminster and digest that for our our members, so they can then um, take that forward in terms of um, the, the the good use and leveraging of public policy. OJ McDonald, thank you so much. Thank you. Let's head west now over the Pennines to the town of Ormskirk, roughly in the middle between Preston to the north and Liverpool to the south, and a town described on its tourism website as the beating heart of rural West Lancashire. Renowned for its gingerbread, apparently, and its historic market, tourism officials say it's a town that bustles in its pedestrianised streets. But just how bustling is Ormskirk these days? Someone who I think we'll know is Jamie Lopez, a reporter with the Lanx Live website, who recently visited the town uh, and spoke to locals and wrote a great piece with the headline, Historic Market Town Facing a Crossroad as it Battles to Adapt to High Street Decline. So, Jamie, welcome along to the podcast. Thanks very much for having me, Rob. No, no worries at all. So, for people who might not know loads about Ormskirk, can you just give us a bit of an idea about what kind of place it is and how it's kind of changed over, over the years? Yeah, so Ormskirk's a really kind of interesting case study because it's it's as as historical as it comes, really. If you go back all the way to the, the 13th century, it's when it got its um, got a royal charter from Edward I to be designated as a market town. And that was the, the sort of the monk from nearby uh, Perska Priory. Sort of what are we seven eight hundred years on that that priory is some ruins in someone's back garden, and um, but people still flock twice a week to go to the market to Ormskirk. But what they have found is, as a day to day enterprise, the retail element of the town is struggling. Um, a lot of the the big names, the kind of the big chains left even before they hit the kind of collapses that sort of BHS Debenhams those kind of places disappear from high streets. Ormskirk felt that a little, little earlier, and then. For years, there's been a kind of a struggle. Edgehill University has, has grown and thrived and prospered massively. But some feel that's kind of at the expense of Ormskirk. It's a sort of older town, more affluent town. Um, and they a lot of people felt that the students were prioritised. 
you saw a lot of houses converted to student housing instead of, um, sort of traditional family homes, as people would say it. And then over the years, more recently, there's kind of been a switch of, well, the shops are struggling. So let's open more cafes and more bars. And now the longer standing residents are thinking, well, where do we go for our clothes? You know, and that's kind of, there's, there's a new element to that struggle now. Uh, and the people responsible for the town are having to manage those the two sides of that coin of let's protect our history, but let's also have a, a prosperous future. In terms of the new things that are appearing on the scene, more more bars, fewer retail. I mean, is that is that contributing to a prosperous town centre as far as you can see when you were there quite recently? Well, it's interesting. If you go, if you go in the daytime, it's it's undeniably quiet. There's, there's not a lot of people sort of milling about walking around, but the places that are busy are the cafes. Um, you get to lunchtime, the, the, the chippies, you know, queues out the door. And these there's sort of like um, cocktail bars and micro pubs, that kind of place. They are the ones that seem to be doing the best. If you've got a market day, it's it's a lot busier all around anyway. Um, and I think one of the biggest examples you'll see is the, the indoor market, which for years was looking sad and neglected and less and less traders were in there. And now it's gone the way of uh, Altrincham and, and Southport. And it's been completely renovated, transformed into one of these kind of food and drink venues where you've got lots of different stalls. And again, it's much, much busier as a result. Just talking about, you know, the changing face of uh, Ormskirk, the, the face, the thing we probably ought to mention, but we, we can't talk about a lot for legal reasons, is that a couple of weeks ago, a 19-year-old man called Matthew Dolby from Liverpool was stabbed to death late at night in the centre of Ormskirk, uh, an 18-year-old man has appeared in court accused of murder. So that's the big story that's in the headlines in Ormskirk at the moment. But when you were there uh, a little earlier, you, you you spoke to quite a few shoppers, didn't you? You spoke to quite a few people who have businesses there. I mean, what's the sort of prevailing feeling about the direction that the, the, the town is going in? Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting question. Um, I think for people, the people I spoke to who were shopping were kind of disappointed at what they were finding, people were coming from day trips and expected to see more than they were seeing. Um, and when you speak to the the business owners, I suppose it depends which business you speak to. The ones who are hoping to make their money in the daytime, um, I think there is some frustration that the, the other places haven't lasted as long as they have, and that affects the footfall they get. But there is also some recognition that the, um, the shift to hospitality, which affected what's going on, is keeping people coming in. If you speak to people in the council in particular, even kind of off the record, they'll say that the, the, the battle they've got is to to balance the preserving the history and ensuring there is a future. And I, th- I think there's an acceptance that you can't focus on just the history, but what you can do is kind of highlight it. There's a lot of, you know, the, there's the, the heritage zone activities, there's the you mentioned the gingerbread earlier on. That's the, there's now a regular gingerbread festival and these kind of market trails which get people around the town centre in the daytime and with kids as well. The reality is for a lot of places like Ormskirk, they're not just competing with uh, the internet, you know, online shopping, etc., but also other nearby towns and cities. So how is Ormskirk doing when you compare it to other places nearby? You mentioned you know people coming from further afield to visit. Ormskirk and maybe being a bit a bit disappointed like other 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 towns or cities uh that are trying to sort of steal that uh that that, that tourism and sort of uh, hospitality money away 
Well, what, one interesting thing I did learn from, again, from a, a, a source within the council is that if, um, if you look at occupancy rates, particularly for council-owned buildings, Ormskirk is, is, is well above um, kind of the, the, the northwest level, but also nationally as well. So I think there's, 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 there is optimism there that it is it's holding up higher than it can. I mean, I, I personally come from South, but I'm, we're seeing the same thing where shops are struggling, but there's a big shift. There's loads more kind of small bars and pubs and um, talks of sort of indoor climbing centres opening in, in, in Lord Street, which is this sort of classic historic street, um, which years ago you never could have imagined people allowing it. Um, so I think it's a, it's a similar picture, but those in Obstacle are optimistic that they're getting things as well as they can do. Yeah, that's really interesting. I was in Southport not so long ago. And I'm thinking the Lord Street in Southport is the uh, inspiration for uh, one of the famous boulevards in Paris, isn't it? It, it absolutely is. It's, um, it's, 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 it's one of these things that is often sold as a, um, an, an urban myth. But as far as I know, it's, it's completely true that Napoleon came here during exile and, and saw the tree-lined boulevards with shops on one side uh, and homes on the other and took that idea back and completely redesigned Paris as a result. We've heard in in Wakefield, the city centre has had a lot of investment uh, coming in or about to come from the uh, the Towns Fund, which is obviously one of the big, uh, you know, place-based levelling up funds that the government use, is using as part of its levelling up agenda to improve high streets because they recognise that the way people feel about their high street, it, it has quite a big bearing on how they feel about, you know, their, their local politicians. So has... Has Ormskirk seen much of that levelling up money, things like the levelling up fund or the future high streets fund, or has, has it had to make use of other uh, other resources to try and get get some investment in? No, unfortunately, Ormskirk and, and West Lancashire, as, as, a, as a wider a borough, has, has had to look elsewhere, essentially. Um, the, the big hopes they were hoping for in terms of levelling up funds was to knock down the swimming pools in Ormskirk and Skelmersdale nearby, which is... Um, in, you know, in particular, need of a boost. It's one of the most deprived areas in the country, um, and the the, the council is investing an awful lot of money in trying to bring the kind of the those levels back up in line with the, you know the wider area. Um, but what they have said is, despite not getting the funding for that, they're still going to knock down uh, Park Hall in Ormskirk and Nyvevan Pool in, in Skelmersdale and just build build new facilities. They've had, they, but they've had to find the, the funding elsewhere, which, like everywhere else, cashed up budgets. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's hard going for town halls these days trying to afford things, which is why many of them are so reliant on this uh, central government levelling up funding, uh, even though inflation is kind of eating away into it. So it's a, it's a, it's a tough picture. Now, I'm just just finally, Jamie, I'm interested in your view. You've been speaking to a lot of people in Ormskirk, obviously. I mean, when you were there, did you did you feel optimistic about its future uh like the way the way it's heading do you think in you know in 20 years time that people will still be coming to Ormskirk it will still be a vibrant a vibrant place it's a it's a tough one I think what I'm seeing um you know perhaps as a, as a layman who doesn't know too much about these things is, is is a sign that it is adapting well it's kind of it's it's it, it, like as I say they've got this aim of preserving the heritage while looking to the future and I would say I can see that happening. Um, how successful that will be, only time will tell, but I'd, I'd say certainly positive signs are there. Yeah. Jamie, thank you so much for speaking to me today. Thanks for having me, Rob. 
Thank you for listening to the Northern Agenda podcast. And don't forget, you can subscribe to our daily newsletter at thenorthernagenda.co.uk. It's more important than ever for Northern voices to be heard. The Northern Agenda is a laudable production for Reach. It's presented by me, Rob Parsons, and it's produced by Daniel J. McCoughlin. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to The Northern Agenda wherever you listen to your podcasts, including Apple and Spotify. Also, check out the other laudable podcasts. See you next week. Bye-bye.